Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we watched the new Wes Anderson film. We also talk Aussie Rolling Stone Top 100 and take a quiz. It's time for a Top 3 Turf War. So, Ivana, you picked today's Top 3 Turf War, and I think it's a doozy. Can you tell me, like, how did you find this? All right. I was scrolling on something, maybe Reddit, maybe Apple News, and it, I, I saw Rolling Stone's Top 100, and I thought, ah, oh, that would kind of be a fun, like, thing to do a list on. And, and then I thought, well, what are the worst movies of what most people think are, like, the best movies? And I thought we would have a lot of fun conversations talking about that. And, and honestly, the Aussie Top 100 is, like, a little different than, like, AFI or what you would expect coming out of, like, North America. I did a little looking at the, the article you sent. So this is Australia's Rolling Stones Top 100 Best Movies of All Time. We'll put the link in the description. And it's, they asked people, they were like, yo, people, help us populate this list. I got to say, this list, according to me, is absurd. Okay, but like absurd good or absurd bad? There are things on this list that I think are ridiculous to be on any top 100 list, period, end of story. Oh. Like, and some of the things on this list are, are way too high. Like way too high. <laughs> okay, tell, tell, me, tell me your opinions of this list. Like what are some examples here? In the top 25 movies... Avatar is in the top 25 ahead of Parasite. Right there, I'm like not taking your list too seriously. I thought the exact same thing, but then Avatar made a bazillion dollars. People sure. love that movie. Greatest box office of all time. But then you explain to me how Dirty Dancing is ahead of Avatar and Parasite on this list at number 16. And you keep going and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is crazy. Are you trying to tell me that the number 13 movie of all time is Love Actually? This is what I mean. I'm not by surprised. People is your love, list like this? love Actually. I am not surprised. What, I, now, okay. I have not mentioned any of my, obviously, top three worst offenders on this list. But I will. <laughs> and so will Ivana. That's what this is. This is... What are the three worst movies on this list and why? Ivana, what is your number three? My number three is like literally a split decision right now because I had four written here. It's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I hate, I hate, I hate that movie. I, I did it, not know you hated that movie. It's so pretentious. It's the most pretentious oh movie God. on the face of the planet. And um, I just think that it's not as great as everyone thinks it is. Okay, well, get ready for us to do a take two on this movie because I don't think this movie is pretentious anymore. I think this movie is endearing and darling. Now, I can't recall where it is on this list, but I'm pretty sure it's like in the mid-range. I think so. I think and it's I, like in the 50s. And I don't know if that's right I don't even know if it should really be in anywhere close to the beginning of this list, but I will say get ready for a take two at some point, but you don't <laughs> like it because it's pretentious and yeah. I appreciate that. That That is my opinion. Yeah. What about you? What's your number three? Oh, my number three was so easy. It was the like you open the list and it's number 99 on the list. How a prequel Star Wars movie is on this list at all is baffling. Like, I completely agree. That that was in my like honorable mentions. I almost picked it, but you know, number ninety nine of all time, best movie ever. And you have Revenge of the Sith. I will grant you, it is the best movie of those three original movies, or those prequel movies, I should say. 
You know, that's the only one I never watched. But it doesn't deserve to be in this list that starts with the top 100 best films of all time. It should be in the top bottom 100 list of films of all time. Because just because you're the best of the bottom of the barrel doesn't mean you should ever be near this list. That immediately for me was like, no, this is crazy. All right. Well, <laughs> number my two. number two absurd film we've already talked about a little bit, and it is Love Actually. This is an offender, and I understand it comes out every year at Christmas time, so people are like, ah, I watch it a lot because it's a Christmas movie. No, you know why I get offended by it and why it's at the bottom? Because I hear people saying, I love Love, love Actually. It's in one of my favorite films of all time. People love this movie. I don't get it. All the characters are mean and garbagey. There's like inappropriate relationships up the wazoo. Everyone's unhappy. It, it's, it's horrible. What is there to like about this movie? And they've ranked it number 13, which makes it a really top offender on this list. That's right. Out of 100 movies of the best in the world, Love Actually, with all its problematic bullshit, is number 13. With people stepping out on their wives and then getting caught and prime ministers like... Australia, you know, you know it's Walking the in on sexual harassment. <laughs> Come on. What is going on here, Australia? So I would agree Love Actually is like... It's in my honorable mentions. I have eight in total that really were like, wow, really? Like top 100 of all time? And it's, it's like my number eight on that list. I, I totally get where you're coming from. Well, what's your number two? I, I can't believe how high on the list this is. Frankly, like, I don't like this movie at all, but it's number 61. And I guess if you're going to place it on the list, that's fine. But the movie is The Notebook. From 2004. Oh, yes. And I understand there's a romanticized period of time piece here. Ryan Gosling has some really great chemistry with Rachel McAdams. But I'm sorry. He loses. The, first of all, he like does not take no for an answer, which let's face it, problematic. Tries to kill himself because she says no to him. Red flags right here over here. Got some red flags, just waving them all over the place. Then they get together for like a hot second and she's got to go away or whatever. And he's like, you know what? No, I could do the mature thing. I could move on with my life. I could do all these things, but no, I'm going to build a house for you. And I'm going to wait around until your ass is engaged to come and find me in the rain in the house that I'm building for you. And then they make out. And I'm like, this is. Like, if I had a daughter, now, I'm not saying that I have a daughter, but if I had a daughter and she was like, how sweet is this guy? He, like, tried to kill himself on a Ferris wheel if I didn't go out with him. Oh, and then he built this house for me while I said, no, I wasn't going to be with him. I'd be like, oh, yeah? All right, well, I'm going to go have a chat with this man because he's crazy and you will never be with him. End of story. They die together and it's romantic. And I'm like... It is not romantic. This is crazy. You two would have been better off if you never got together. The Notebook is a terrible top 100 movie of all time. You know what? I also really am not a big fan of The Notebook. And uh, I never really understood what all the hubbub was about. I didn't really understand what was so romantic about it. I mean, yeah, kissing in the rain is really romantic. But, like, there are so many other ways to kiss in the rain. Spider-Man... Upside down, kissing Mary Jane in the rain is also very romantic. You know what the difference is, though? Rachel McAdams and uh, Ryan Gosling have way more chemistry than Tobey Maguire and Kristen Dunst. All right. I'm not saying that, but one's a really great film and the other one is The Notebook. So I'm just throwing it out there. All right, Ivana, what is the worst offender to grace this Australian Rolling Stone top 100 list that again was not put together by critics. It was put together by like a calling out to people saying, yo, 
What are your favorites? What is the worst offender? This is another one that I don't really understand why anyone likes this movie. Uh, I think you might like this movie. Um, It is Moulin Rouge. Do Um, Do you like this movie? I do enjoy this movie. It's not a favorite. It would never make a top 100 that I create ever. It's, I I like the soundtrack and I like the art style, but the movie itself, like the story doesn't rock me to my core or like anything. Yeah, I, it was, I really, and it's a musical. Like, it's like. Just not a great story and a musical. You just cannot go worse. Okay, but seriously though, like what? Like, do you lo- obviously you love Romeo and Juliet? So Baz Luhrmann is in your wheelhouse of directors you enjoy. Do you like the art? Like, do you like watching how how it all works out? And I know you're not a musical fan, obviously, but like any of it jive with you at all? I just felt like it was all too much, and it I couldn't like it was like. Too much sensory overload, too much music, too much acting, too much like the visuals were very intense and um, cool and kind of like surreal. And I, I it was too much for me to handle. So I didn't like it in the context of that movie. OK, I'm totally with you. Like, I, th- I think it's strange on this list. Baz Luhrmann definitely has better films as well. Like Romeo plus Julia didn't find its way on this list. No, it did not. And I love that movie. I've been meaning to rewatch it. That's right. So I respect the fact that Moulin Rouge is your number one worst offender, but I have the worst offender by far a million times over. And it has to do with like so many other things and so many other factors. And I'm just going to get real personal here. And you know what? If you don't like what I'm saying, that's okay. It is a free podcast. You got what you paid for. Here we go. (laughs) The worst offender on this list comes in at like 90. I think it's like 97. It is 97. It is a Spider-Man movie. Oh, I I'm glad this is on your list. I knew this was going to be on your list. It's not an Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. It's not a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. In fact, neither one of those movies or characters make it onto this list. They sure don't. No, no. It's a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. And it's not No Way Home. And it's not Homecoming. No, no. It's the worst possible Spider-Man movie you could have on a top best 100. Not Spider-Man 2. Not The Amazing Spider-Man. Not the original Spider-Man. You put fucking Far From Home on this list as Far From Home is one of the greatest movies of all time. Let me let me break this down for you. Far From Home is a cash grab after a tremendously beautifully well done finale. Sony going after them dollars with this hijinks film that makes no sense in the context of what is going on in the MCU. It makes no sense to the character of Spider-Man who we now have from No Way Home who like actually gets an amazing arc in the last film. This is such a nothing pithy, crappy, shitty Spider-Man movie. And you have somehow said that it is higher up the list than Moulin Rouge and Kill Bill Volume 1. Australia, you have let me down. (laughs) You know... Uh, actually, I knew that this, I was shocked when it wasn't on your list so far. I can't believe it was in your number one position. I've seen parts of this movie and that's exactly what it is. It's like, it was really easy to watch and then I had to walk away from it and then I forgot about its existence. You know what I mean? Like it was just like a nothing, it's not bad, but it's not good. And certainly it should not be on a 100. And I agree, it is I think the worst Spider-Man movie, period. I agree with you completely. It is the worst. And I'm saying Amazing Spider-Man 2. We get that incredible Gwen Stacy scene, at least in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Look, I like the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I know you don't like them, but they're really not I bad. I don't like them. They're not bad. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> I, look, I, I, I think the Amazing Spider-Man is okay. I do not like the Amazing Spider-Man 2, except for... The Gwen Stacy scene at the end, which I think is 
really, really, really beautifully shot. I just and like it's how much really emotional. She's in she's in those movies a lot, like more than the other movies have the female characters. Is I think it is very much a love story, and like it, and I get it. I understand how people love that chemistry, and they they love the way those two banter back and forth. I get it. I understand. What do we get in freaking Far From Home? We get. You know, Peter Parker accidentally launching a missile at his school trip in another country because he's been given the responsibility that he never should have been given by putting on these stupid things that he gives to the bad guy. I mean, it's just terrible. It's shitty. It's awful. The tone is terrible. Opening after after watching Endgame, guys, we got that PowerPoint presentation of I Will Remember You. That I know was supposed to go over really well. It, I I thought it was an insult to the entire MCU. And to have Wanda, WandaVision come out and give us what really happened after the blip in that in that hospital scene. I wish Far From Home didn't exist. Like, I've never wished a movie didn't exist more. So yeah, number one. And I will fight you for that number one you spot. You know what? I'm, I'm it is sold. number freaking I l- one. I love it. Number one, Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm in. Number two, yes. I think it should be Love Actually. Because you like Moulin Rouge enough that I don't think it needs to be number two. But we both dislike Love Actually. And yeah, also, I, I can see I just hate love, actually. love Actually. And I want it to be on that list. Like... Most of the time, I don't think about Moulin Rouge, but I legitimately hate Love Actually. Also, can I just say, like, I took my little niece and nephew to see Spider-Man Far From Home because they wanted to see it. It was my second viewing, and I felt sick to my stomach because th- I-, I gave them that experience. I felt like I I was responsible for them. And, you know, they're children. They're, like, you know, six. I was just going to say, like, Jay... What I will never understand is your snobbery with showing children movies. No. Because, like, they're six, and Spider-Man Far From Home sounds like the perfect Spider-Man for six-year-olds. Yeah, and we gave it to them, but I just felt terrible in my soul for being like, <laughs> yeah, you're going you're gonna to go back home to your parents and love Spider-Man because of this god-awful film, and I'm responsible for that. And I literally sat there in my seat, like, rolling my eyes, as they were getting excited, I'm like, I should take like comfort in your joy. I have no joy for you. I just am <laughs> disappointed in myself for paying for the ticket. This is the time. This reminds me of the time that you would not let a four-year-old watch Boss Baby, but instead no. they got to watch Despicable Me, I think it was. Moana. Moana. Oh, great choice. Moana. Great choice. Moana's better. was like, listen, child, you are not watching the big boss, the baby boss. I will put on Moana. And she put up a little fight for a second. I'm like, shh, you're four. I will not do that to you. Here is Moana. Enjoy. And now Moana's her favorite movie of all time. Now, I, t- I have great pride in that moment because now it's her favorite movie of all time. And every time I go over there, I'm going to see her this weekend. She's probably going to go, let's watch Moana. But she's disappointed me. That that little five-year-old has disappointed me a little bit. Like there was also the time she wanted to watch Beauty and the Beast and I put it on. And she was like, that's not it. And I'm like, what do you mean that's not it? This is Beauty and the Beast. This is a freaking classic. She's like, why is it cartoon? And I'm like, oh, you little bastard. How dare you bring out live action? It's not action. her fault that she was born in the... 2010s or 2020s <laughs> hey or i can still look over at her father and go look what you've done <laughs> anywho anywho yes okay so number one is spider-man far from home number two is love actually okay on my list i've got a star wars movie and i've got the notebook in my number two spot what was in your number two spot Love well, we actually. should put Moulin Rouge in. It's your number one. Love Actually. Well, cause, but you like it. So I feel like I'm okay with the idea of maybe going with the Star Wars movie because it's also super cringy. Okay, I'm I'm good with that. Like, Because I just don't think out of all the Star Wars movies, even like The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, like these are other films that are better than Revenge of the Sith at least. 
We like, could have had those movies. All those movies are kind of like an embarrassment. And I feel like they definitely it should never be on a top 100 list. Never. I, it, yeah. Look, you can love these movies. But like reach into your soul. Should they be on a top 100 film list? They're like somewhere movies on the that internet. Can be the like answer is no. A guilty pleasure or like nostalgic. Uh, like, here's the deal. If you put out onto Letterboxd your own, these are the my top 100 favorite movies of all time. That's different. I'm never going to criticize your top 100. But this is Australia deciding for the world and the rest of us. Something clearly we should not have let you do, Australia. I apologize. <laughs> that was mean. But why you got far from home on your list? I'm just asking. Just asking. All right, all right, so, let's let's count this down. Number three, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Number two, Love Actually. And the number one worst film on the Australian Rolling Stone Top 100, Spider-Man: Far From Home. I, I I love that I got to rag on Spider-Man: Far From Home. I did actually put like put my list of like top eight. I also didn't let love that like the greatest showman is on this list, oh, which is I, another musical. I did not watch it. So that was on my I've never seen that. I actually I, there was a few that I like have never seen like Top Gun. Never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Saving Private Ryan. I've never seen that. Uh Pretty Woman, that almost made my list. That's in my honorable mentions. I hate that movie. Yeah, I know. I know. Also, there were some that I was just like, I'm I'm angry at you because you're too high on this list. Like, The Dark Knight is at 11. And yeah, I'm like, I agree. The Dark Knight time. does not deserve to be the number 11 movie of all time. Although I respected that Jaws was very high on the list. I like that. As did I. I didn't hate the top 10. I wasn't... I wasn't like overly great that Forrest Gump is number 10, but I know that like people like that movie. You and know sure. what? I was very happy to see Forrest Gump at number 10. I actually think that Forrest Gump is one of those movies that gets better the more you watch it. I've seen it like more than I've seen most movies, like maybe six times or something. And I don't know. I just respect that movie. Number eight, Gone with the Wind. I mean, I, I, I don't like Gone with it. the Wind. It bug. It's a long ass movie. It's interesting, but it's also like it's gone with the wind, man. Like I, I understand its place in Hollywood history. Number eight seems high to me. Uh, so Jaws is number six. Five is Pulp Fiction. Four is The Godfather. Three is Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Number two is Titanic. Of all time. Yeah, number that two. felt really weird. Titanic. Like that seems way too high. Maybe like 90. 90 is good yeah, for Titanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Number one was the Shawshank Redemption, which I understand why it's here. I don't think it's like the number one movie of all time. I can't believe it's higher than like, I can't believe Titanic is higher than The Godfather. That is crazy to me. But also like, okay, Shawshank's got a good message. It's a fun film. Like I like having it on. But the the top 25 is just all over the place. E.T. is ahead of Parasite. Inception is ahead of Parasite. People love Inception. I don't get the hubbub. Me neither. Okay, Avengers Endgame at number 12 is also way too high. Like, way too high, I feel high, like guys. Avengers Endgame deserves to be, like, in a top 30 for sure. Because, I mean, as you said, it's like sticking the landing of so many different films... Yeah. Um, that you have to really respect the craft that goes into getting it there. But we as a film community collectively say that The Godfather Part Two is probably the best sequel of all time. Out, maybe even outdoing The Godfather. In, I would say most people think that it outdoes. I, I would agree. And I, I think I'm one of those people who says it's like one of the greatest sequels of all time. And it's number 38 on this list, which means like there's so much other stuff ahead of it. And that, like, Greece is ahead of it at number 30. Greece. Yeah, that feels Greece a little is wrong. the word. And that word is better than Godfather Part 2. <laughs> you done us dirty. You done us wrong. So, Jay, it's like getting brighter and getting warmer 
and it feels like spring is here. I mean, I'm, in Pittsburgh, like spring comes way earlier than in Toronto. And I'm in Toronto right now, which is also for anyone who's listening. I'm sorry if I'm very echoey um, where my parents moved and there's not much furniture. <laughs> I'm sure you sound great. I mean, obviously, I'm hearing you through an iPad, so I, I, don't, I can't. I can't judge how it sounds in that awesome microphone of yours, but uh, I'm sure you sound fantastic. There's a lot and of sound you, bouncing off of walls and, you know, you get well, that if echo. If you don't, our listeners are going to forgive you. People are going back to back to work, so I'm sure our listenership is going to pick up with people commuting again. I hope not. I hope everyone's just listening to us on walks while working from home. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, you want so to go, Becky's you're back one of those people who wants to be in the office. Oh, look. I think it would be better for my health if I was back in the office. I do. I don't even, I don't even feel like I, I how do. can we even be friends that you're one of those people who wants to be in the office and commute? I and- just, I, I want my commute so that I can like decompress from work instead of just walking out of this room. <laughs> I want, I want to be able to record my podcast, not where I have to sit and do my office work all day. That would be nice. I would love to be able to incorporate more exercise in than like, like my day is literally, literally lately. I sit down and I barely move for eight hours and that can't be good. No, that there's no way that's good. I'd be getting up to move around a little and go, go to meetings and but stuff. But you can, you can do that at home too. Even if you're like getting up to just like get a coffee or get a water. I had to do it today. I had to do it today because I was like, I have literally not gotten up since 830 in the morning and it was almost two. And I was like, I got to move this creaky old body, which is why I work out so much more when I'm at home because I feel like there's no commute. So then there's so much more exercise. Oh, well, see, but that's your thing, right? Your thing is that you can somehow incentivize yourself to work out at home. And my incentivizing is like, Walking to the movie theater, which is about an hour walk. So that's okay. Or, uh, you know, playing on a sports team, which I have signed up now, Mondays and Wednesdays, all the way through spring. Congrats. That's awesome. Playing twice a week. Yeah. So I will continue to play that. And it's like hardcore for a good hour and a bit of volleyball. I, I'm genuinely, I felt amazing after playing last night. So I will be doing that all the way through. I but I feel that. like is two nights of, of an hour and a half each. Is it enough? I don't know. Of course, Jay. You know what? You know what I realized the magic question is, is, is it better than you were doing before? And if the answer is yes, yes, then then it is. And that's all you have to ask yourself It's every so often. Are you doing better than you were doing before? Yes. Then great. That's it. Yes, you're right. You are so right. And I'm loving every second of it. And that is what I'm looking forward to most in the spring is I, I right now I'm just doing Wednesdays and come springtime, I'll be doing Monday and Wednesdays. And then I'll be doing Monday and Wednesdays all throughout the summer. And then I will be back in Monday and Wednesdays all throughout fall. So it'll at least be two nights a week of like strenuous working out as long as I don't get hurt or anything. Um, and I think that's, that's enough that for now, that's, that's enough. That's a lot Especially, of working out. That's, that's three hours, right? A week. Yeah, but three hours. And if my local starts putting on more movies that I haven't seen, because I've seen all the Oscar movies and that's all they're playing, is I, I will get to walk down there more. Actually, they're doing a showing soon of Lost Highway by David Lynch, and I might check oh, it out. Oh, that sounds fun. If you when whenever you go, I'll watch it too because, um, well, I now we have a little soft spot together with David Lynch. I know, I know. I feel like I should see it because I know now how weird he is and I know that I am not a fan, but I feel like in a theater, I can't run away. Yeah, you so gotta maybe see that's it in the theater. You gotta go see it. And whenever you do, tell me because I'm gonna watch it too at the same time. This is gonna be beautiful, beautiful. They also have Army of Darkness coming for one night showing on the anniversary. So I might, what I might do is I might force Becky to watch the Evil Dead movies and then we'll go watch Army of Darkness in the theater. Because I did force her into watching Evil Dead the musical on Broadway or off Broadway in Toronto. It's not really Broadway. It's like 
Toronto <laughs> Broadway. I, I really like, I think I saw Evil Dead the musical and it was great. I loved it. It's so much fun. So I, yeah, lots to look forward to. Lots to look forward to in spring. And hey, look, it can get warm. It can get bright. I have heavy drapes. I will vampire it up during the day. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'm like, bring on the sun and the warmth. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> These are some quarantine games. I thought, Ivana, what we could do for our quarantine game this week is something super silly and we can find out exactly how edgy we were when we were growing up. Now, I know you don't have a lot of nostalgia for that time in your life growing up in the city and everything. But you know what? I thought it just still would be fun. I'm so down for this because I bet you that I was a super edgy like preteen. And it is. It's like it's like before you were adult, very preteen. So the way this works is it's a BuzzFeed survey. We just basically have to answer honestly about, you know, how it was. So we'll do an alternating um, ask a question and we do the thing. So straight out, out the gate. Did you ever pretend your mechanical pencil was a needle? No. Ew. Why would you ever stick yourself with lead? Yeah, 100% I did that for sure. I, what? Uh, I, I <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely did that. You know, every once in a while, you just got to stick yourself. It was weird. I had a weird grow it up. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Uh, yeah, I did I, not. I think I'm going to just win based on sticking self with things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two. Question? Oh, God. This is another bad one. Just like this. Just like the one we just saw. Did you ever stick <laughs> a safety pin through your skin so that like the in the picture... There's like a pin and there's like two strands of fingerprint holding it against the finger. 110%. Like 150% I did this. So this has happened to me, but never oh. on purpose. And I've so always you're gonna found say no. it very, um, what's the word? Disturbing. Like it really bothered me. That I had this thing sticking out of my skin, but it was like I wasn't bleeding. Anyway, yeah. So I guess yes. Yes. Well, no, you didn't do it to yourself. But it happened to me. Yeah, but it says, did you ever stick a safety pin through your skin? Oh, well, I answered yes, and now it's too late to go back. <laughs> too late. <laughs> All right, what's Did you next? ever pretend to smoke pretzel sticks like they were a cigarette? I think or, everybody did this. Sure. Yeah. Who would not do that? Here is here is us showing our age. Did you ever listen to my chemical romance? Um, I don't even know what my chemical romance is. Uh, like, yes, but I was not an edgy teen or tween when this music came out. But I did. I do have and still have listened to my chemical romance. Did you ever I listen to no Panic at the I Disco? I don't know who they are. Um well, what about Panic at the Disco? That's the next question. I think you know them. I've heard of them, but I couldn't tell you what kind of music they do. So I'm just going to go with no on that, too. Okay. All right. Oh, Fall Out Boy. I, yes. That one. Fall Out Boy. Yes, for sure. What about Jimmy Eat World? See, now we're getting into a little more like I'm in college at this point. And yes, no. love Jimmy Eat World. I don't know who Jimmy Eat World is. Oh, but you know who Avril is. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I know who Avril is. Okay. Absolutely listened. Paramore. I remember Paramore. Okay. Do you remember Paramore? Uh, no, I, I don't think I ever listened to Paramore. I think I might try now, but I haven't then. Did you ever set a lyric from any of these bands as your away message on AIM? Or I'm going to just do any messaging app. I did Messenger. Um, okay, so it has a thing and it says it's a damn cold night trying to figure out this life from Avril Lavigne. Did I ever use that lyric? Is that what yeah, it is? Like, did you me? ever set any lyric from any of the bands as your like away message oh, on a chat? I see, I see. Do you no, remember like when no. there were chats and all that? I remember that. Uh, no, totally. I, w I was, I believe that it was posery to ever do stuff like that. I just feel like you, it's not cool. Um, Thank you, you for saying so, Ivana. Did you Warped Tour? I don't even know what yeah. Warped Tour is. This is a horrible quiz. I am sorry. When of course I went to Warped Tour. Oh, you know what that is? 
Yeah, it's a punk rock show. Punk pop oh, show. There is way too much stuff I don't know anything about. Hot Topic, that's an American thing. It's I an American like. thing. We didn't have that. So we no. We don't have that in Canada. Our edginess goes down just by being Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you wear a black eyeliner to school? I sure did. I sure did not. <laughs> I feel like that's that. I don't know any edgy kids in my school who were. I think because it was Bible school, you weren't allowed to as a boy. You might get in trouble. Oh, yeah. That's not fun. All right. All right. Specifically, this is, I guess, only for me because you were a no. Did you put on the black <laughs> eyeliner after you left your house in the morning? And I will say no, because my mom let me do whatever I wanted. Uh, yeah, your mom was cool. But did you ever wear animal hats with the long strings? No, did you? No, I, I wore the non-animal hats that still had the long strings, but they weren't, they were like, you know, Canadian colors I th- or like I, Canadian I, plaid. I guess that doesn't really count. Did you own Converse? Absolutely. We were too poor when I was in <gasps> a preteen. So no, I did not. We no. had off brand that kind of shoe. That is tight. Were any high tops? <laughs> did you have any high top? No, I've always been a low top kind of person. Me too. Did I draw on my Converse? I did in the star. I would always color it in. No, no way. My mom would have killed me if I ruined oh, yeah. something. Did you draw on your hands with Sharpie or pen? Okay. Sharpie, no, but pen, absolutely. Same. Pen, absolutely. Did you own fingerless gloves? Yes, but not on purpose. I just, we never bought new gloves and a couple of the fingers I had cut <laughs> off and I never got new ones. So yes, I will say yes. I'm going to say no. Uh, Did you own fishnet tights? No, this is uh, gloves, (laughs) not tights. Uh, Then no, no, me neither. Not when I was a preteen. Did you read graphic novels? I did. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Did you have a fake nose piercing? No. I mean. Yes, I did. Look at me. You've known me a while. Would I ever have any kind of piercing? Do you think? No, no. I definitely had a fake one. I had a fake nose piercing. And then it says, but did, did you, you have a real one? No, no, absolutely not. Did you have Neither any other facial piercings, fake or otherwise? No. no. Not even at Halloween. Did you own a beanie? I mean, is a beanie a toque? I was just going to ask, is, what's a beanie? This is Canada. I think so. I'm, I think we're just going to say yes to this. Yeah, I think we had 800 because it's cold. so there's canada working our edginess up a little bit (laughs) uh did you watch cartoon network more than disney channel or nickelodeon here's the thing in canada there is no cartoon network yeah ours is uh teletoon so if teletoon is the cartoon network it counts because we had we had disney channel we didn't have nickelodeon though well we had family channel as our Disney channel. Right. This so just doesn't say work no, that well because I Canada don't know. Or the US. This quiz may not have been the best, most smartest decision. R- well, I've ever made and, in my because life. now, did you watch MTV? We'll just switch that for much music because it was the same similar thing and yes. say, did you watch MTV? Yeah, much music. Yes. Much music, absolutely. But did you watch it secretly when your parents weren't home? <laughs> at princess because you weren't allowed to no no i did not watch it secretly. my parents let me watch whatever i wanted did you watch yeah. family guy american dad simpson south park yes no i was not allowed to watch the simpsons what wow i know my edginess meter is going way down did you play the drums no me neither guitar no no. Were you in a band? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you own oh, a leather I, belt with studs I'm on gonna it? I'm going to guess that Ivana owned a leather belt with studs. No. No, I did not. Oh, no, oh, yeah. No studs for me. Definitely leather belts. Uh, but what about combat boots? No. Me neither. Doc Martens? Well, uh, isn't that the same thing as yes, combat boots? 
Well, no, like, here's the thing. I went to a Catholic school and everybody wore Doc Martin's dress shoes. Is that the same thing? Yeah, I think that counts. Okay, I'm saying yes, you know, but I don't think it's as cool as what they were thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Did you drink Monster Energy drinks? No, I never got to drink stuff like that. So I do now, but I did not then. Like now, if I'm you on a long monster energy, if I am on a long car ride, I will. And I feel like I'm getting the I'm falling asleep. I will pull in and buy a monster energy drink. That's probably taking a couple years off my life every time I do it. <laughs> and it it's it keeps me up. It really, really keeps me up. So I didn't do it then, but I do do it sometimes now. I think I've tried it, and I think it tastes better than a Red Bull. And that's about it. So, okay, what did you get? What was your score in the end? I am 46% edgy. Oh, my God. I'm so mad. I'm only 39% (laughs) edgy. Oh, I am edgier than you. You're edgier than me. Nobody in the world would ever say that ever in a million years. But when I was a younger person, I had the edge on you apparently. And I have a edgy looking Cartman to prove it. Apparently you may have tried to be edgy, but you didn't exactly succeed. You were definitely really into at least one emo band, but you never fully entered the scene. And I would agree with that. I don't think anybody would ever say to me that I entered See, I was in my high school voted most likely to join the army, which feels less edgy. What? You were voted most likely to join. I would never think of you as an army person. What a weird thing, right? Yeah, I think it was because yeah. I always saluted. I did the Tim Tooler salute, the Al Borland salute from Home Improvement a lot. Oh. So they must have thought that's why. What yeah. about you? What is your 32% say? 39, 39%. Same. It, I also have little Cartman and exactly the same saying. So I guess we're not that dissimilar after all. It, it, we tried. We tried when we were young. We couldn't pull it off. We, we realized we couldn't pull it off and we moved on. <laughs> it's Film Freaks. Chatter for the film fan and all of us. Last week, we invited you to check out Wes Anderson's latest film, The French Dispatch. Though I'm not sure I'd really call it a film. It's more like a collage or a collage of short films. It's an anthology, really. Yes, an anthology. The premise is simple. There's a man. He founded a well-respected American newspaper from a fictional French city. It was the sort of newspaper that everyone with taste was reading, but nobody else. Right. And then he dies, and he decides that it's time to disband that paper. Except for one last issue, which will also serve as his obituary. So we watch these short films, these vignettes. A love letter to journalists and journalism. Uh, You know, to big thinkers and long musers. It is perfectly Wes Andersonian. Is that a word? Wes Andersonian? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a good question because is this a movie? I will say this. It is super stylish and maybe my least favorite Wes Anderson film I've ever seen. I will say this, and I don't care who knows it. It took me like five tries to get past Owen Wilson in this film. Oh, really? Okay. You always, because it also took me like five tries to watch this film. Every time I I put it on, I would go, I'm not ready for it. And I'd back out. And then I'd try again and it would get to Owen Wilson's craziness on the streets and i'd be like i i'm just i'm not i'm not i can't and i turn it off and i it just took me a very long time to get into this film finally i just said push past that scene (laughs) that's that's exactly how i did it too although it was different points but you're right actually now that i think about it owen wilson was often a jump off point so i don't know who needs to hear this but i feel like i've been incredibly snarky on this podcast today so why stop now? Um, the <laughs> Keep it going. This is <laughs> this is a, a very artistic looking film. It's 
very cool looking. I think it feels like something Wes Anderson would do. I like the change in ratio. I like up all the ups and downs, but I connected with zero of this film. Same, same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like films about journalism. I think they're important to even have, but this film, they didn't I don't know. They feel like if, they were really about journalists. Like No, it felt nonsensical. Yes, it was like a beautiful poem of nonsense. The The French Dispatch is a fictional magazine based on like archived New Yorker magazine articles. Like that's sort of where it comes from. And and the editor from the New Yorker during that time was, I guess, this famous right. guy. And so this is like a movie, an ode to him. And I guess it feels like an ode, maybe not one that I'm privy to. Because maybe I, it's because I'm not a journalist. Like maybe this is a something for journalists. Yeah, like maybe this is really for a niche group who love the New Yorker, who... Love these long form stories that are a little bit lunacy. I don't know. It wasn't for me. I would like to say like the first vignette was my favorite vignette. I I, I was really interested in Adrian Brody's character in it. And I think he's, we don't see Adrian Brody a lot. So when we do see him, I'm always like, oh yeah, forgot about you, Adrian Brody. And you're not bad. Like you're, you're pretty good. He's very good. The show was stolen by the actress in that section. Leia Sedo, who you, I think, will know from like the latest Bond film, uh, maybe the last two Bond movies. Leia Sedo, I'm totally butchering your name. You, you have a French name with an accent in there, and I don't, French was really hard for me, guys. I'm sorry. And uh, I, I apologize. Leia Sedo? Leia Seydoux. That sounds about. That sounds similar. But everybody will know what we're talking about uh, when I when I say like literally, it's the it's the love interest in the last James Bond film, and you'll probably imagine her immediately. So I was I was kind of shocked immediately when she was she did nudity in the film, like right off the hop, she's full frontal nudity, and I was like, oh wow, like I don't think I've seen this level of nudity in a Wes Anderson film before. And I just wanted, it is 2022 and I was curious. So I looked it up and she had no idea that that was in the script that she had to do that until she'd signed the script. And apparently like she had many conversations with it, with, with, with Wes Anderson and Wes Anderson was too shy to tell her that he wanted that which I think is horseshit. You're the director of a major film. What are you saying? You're too shy to... Yeah, like on some level, it's like, okay, if you want nudity, then you got to man up and like talk about it with your actor. Yeah, exactly. Because it was a passing conversation, apparently. It was, they, they were on the streets in Paris and he was like, oh my God, I'd love to have you in my next movie. I have a part for you. She was like, I'd do anything for you, Wes. He's like, fantastic. She signed paperwork without even like sort of seeing it. And then it was like, you're doing full frontal. That is a little bit like jarring, I would think. Yes, but I think maybe it could be not that big of a deal if you're French. Because like culturally, there's a lot more nudity in European movies in general. And... I got to say, one of the things that I love the most about it is that I felt like the nudity was needed in the story. and I did too. And I did not feel that it was objectifying her in any way. Like She had full control over herself the entire time that was and And that was part of her character too. Like there yeah. was something... It's very rare for me. I'm actually like a person who actually believes that often no nudity is better than nudity and that I actually think it takes away from stories and but in in this particular story in this particular vignette I was actually I I did I thought about it and I was like you must have the nudity it's needed to tell this story 
And I appreciated that he never objectified her, that she was always a full human while being nude. And I, I just, I actually thought it was done very well. I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, the only reason I looked it up was because you do not see a lot of nudity in larger films these days. And I was curious because obviously she did not have to do that in bond. She, I've seen her in other films and she hasn't had to. So I was has she curious. ever, ha- has she ever done nudity before? Not in any of the films I've seen her in, but okay. I was curious. Cause I was like, Oh, like if, if you had been in the industry a while and you hadn't had to do any of that, your first time doing nudity might be a little scary or whatever. Plus it's like you said, it's not necessary in every scenario. And I just don't see it very often anymore. Almost at all. Unless it's like an, uh, a rated R art film for the most part. I mean, to be honest, like, which this is, it's, it's uncomfortable for anyone involved. Like, Let's like step out of the situation and like just imagine you're like in a room full of strangers and you just have to go and be naked and they're all wearing clothes and like lugging heavy machinery and staring at you while they're focusing cameras. Like it's it's awkward as fuck. Um, nobody likes to do it, but sometimes you do it for the art, I guess. Or sometimes of course. you do it for the job, I guess. Yeah. And like I said, I only looked it up just because I so hadn't seen it in a did while. She, what did she did? So, okay. So he was too shy to talk about it. How did she feel yes. about doing it? Did she say? I didn't. I don't think she said either way. She just said it was a surprise. So right. she didn't go into it much more than that. But it was a surprise to her because she'd already committed. And she, I'm sure it was fine. And she said that he was shy. And she was shy. And... Maybe there was a miscommunication that way, but like it happened. It's fine. But I just, anyway, uh, <laughs> moving past the nudity. It's, it's, it's strange and awkward, but uh, like in that story, it really is necessary that she's a nude model. Like I definitely, li- and that's not why I like that story. I like that story because it's the it's story. This, the story of the woman buying a wall and putting it in her wing and all of that stuff, like really, really silly, really, really silly. But you know what, what it was for me, there was something about the relationship of this prison guard who is also a muse, who is so in control, who becomes rather wealthy and who loves what she's doing. There's something just honestly that really captivated me. I thought, the vignette went on too long. But yep. What they, I really, they all went too long. They all went too long. You're right that this was my favorite one. This was the one I paid attention to the most. And it was because of her. And it was because of her relationship with Benicio Del Toro. And honestly, there was something quite magical about that to me. What did you think of the last vignette when it flipped to animation for the great chase scene? Because that was my favorite part of that vignette because i same it was jumping around too much with timelines and when it jumped into the animation thing i was like oh this is this is fun we're like on a caper (laughs) i really like the animation because at that point yeah like i was just done with the movie and then it just kind of i was too this new life for the rest of the animation i really thought the movie was really beautiful but for a bunch of short stories, I, it felt like it lasted, like it was the longest movie on the planet. It was the longest movie on the planet, and it, it it's not long at all. Like, the film itself, the what is it actually? It's probably an hour and 45 minutes. It's an hour and 48 minutes. That's nothing for what we watch on that's, the regular. Yeah, that's nothing. And, and, and then it's even shorter than that because it's like multiple short stories tied together with this vignette of like editing the French dispatch. And yet, man, it was, this was a slog. And I, and I loved, I loved the like flip flopping of color and black and white. I thought it all worked. I thought it was just gorgeous, but man, I, I loved moving the camera from tableau to tableau. I thought that was so fun. 
Yes. And I, 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 I was like, yo, that, this is really funny. Like at first I thought it was a snapshot, but then you're like, no, no, no. This is all real time that they're capturing this. This is really silly. Uh, really fun. It was really fun. Especially when there was like the, the prison brawl where the person with a fire extinguisher that had this just like fake foam coming out that had to say suspended in the air. Ah, it was just so much fun. But I, I, I would really like to see his take on like a stage play. I think his stage plays oh, would be that would amazing. Be very cool. Okay, wait. What did you think of Timothy Chalamet and um and and Francis McDormand and like their whole thing? At, at times I thought it was funny, and at times I was like, "This is obtuse." Yes, yes, it totally was <laughs> obtuse. Okay, yeah. You know what? Sometimes yeah. I think that's actually the best way to describe this movie. At times <laughs> it's funny. It's always beautiful, and at other times, it's rather obtuse. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend this movie to anybody. I, I couldn't believe. I gave it. This is going to hurt. I gave it two stars. It was I, like. I gave it two and a half for the sheer yeah. technical acumen That's of all making something so beautiful. I had said something can be artistic, and I can appreciate its artistic merit, but if it doesn't connect with me, it's not going to become something that is a favorite for me. That doesn't diminish the artistic ability of it or what it's trying to offer. So for me, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I don't connect with it, but I can definitely see its value as art. Whereas something like Requiem for a Dream we were talking about, I, I think it's a beautiful film. It's well-crafted. I did not enjoy my experience with it at all. It's not a favorite movie. But I think it is a masterpiece. Like it's it's a film that changed me as a person, even though I did not enjoy myself. I still connected deeply with what was going on, even though I don't relate to anything that's happening. Yeah, yeah it definitely yeah. changed me. You know, there are maybe that's what art actually needs to be like, maybe enjoying something for its artistic merit is actually just enjoying something for its technical merit. But art is when it deeply moves you in some way. And, and sometimes maybe the thing that people don't want to admit is that sometimes low quality or like low brow stuff deeply moves you. And that's just as much, if not more artistic than something that has, like French Dispatch, where it has that technical merit, but it doesn't deeply move you. I would say that we felt the same way with Dunkirk. We saw this incredible yes. technical display of everything with a story that did not touch me at all. And I don't think the story beats and the way they built the story worked. I but agree. it was technically achieved. I mean, I, I saw 1917 not long after that. And I would say they're kind of similar-ish. And like yep. 1917, I still think about and I don't hate where like I really hated Dunkirk. <laughs> I really do. I agree. Like I'm movie. with you too. 1917 really touched me. The end of the film, the four, his grandfather line, I, I burst into tears. It, it felt like so personal in that moment at the end of the film for that character who had survived all this. Like it just felt so... I, like, it's so funny. I, I hate war movies so much that like by the halfway point of the movie, I was so exhausted from watching it that I couldn't care anymore. So by the end, I was like. But they got yeah. me up until the middle and then I and then I was just too exhausted to care anymore. War is it's hard. An, it, war is hard for you. I, I know. And this. there's a war I, happening I right now. God damn this damn world and this damn war. <sighs> I know, I know. It's it's awful. Next episode is going to be our top 10 movies of 2021. I have like four to five more movies I'm going to try to watch in the next time. And just so that I don't fall too behind. I got to I gotta get some under my belts as well. I think I need to see Spider-Man Far From Home because otherwise like I'm just not sure that I can weigh in on the, no way on the top list. No way home. Sorry, yeah, No Way Home. Sorry, Spider-Man, No Way Home. <laughs> yeah, let's... 
It was from before. Barry. I blame the Australians for this misstep. <laughs> you know, when in doubt, I guess blame Australia. I feel like that is the takeaway from today's episode. So thank you, Australia, for being everyone's scapegoat all of the time. And that's our show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please add a rating or review to your podcast app if it's available. The music you heard today comes from bensound.com. And if you read our show notes, you'll learn more about our friends who voiced our intros and where we secured our sound effects. You can find more episodes and information on our website, morethemovies.net. Or you can like us on Facebook, More Than Movies Podcast. And if you want to interact directly, you can find both of us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Ivana. We'll be back soon with a new episode, so make sure to subscribe if you haven't yet. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. More.